Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each week, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and on our website at ProChoiceOhio.org. The program also airs each Friday morning at 9 on WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Enjoy the show! Hey everybody, Ariana, just waiting a second to, we're about to go live with Kelly, who's doing our summer of repro takeover this week. While we're waiting for Instagram to like Kelly and get her in, in case everybody hasn't seen already, Supreme Court is not nice to us today. Trump versus Pennsylvania case did not go the way we wanted it to. The decision was to make it basically an extension of the Hobby Lobby case from a while back. Um, and so now your employer or if you get your insurance through your university can deny you from getting access to birth control, which goes against the ACA's setting that president to have it always be covered. So. It's a big win for the Trump administration, which is not something that we wanted to give them. So yeah. not really fun. So like I said earlier, Kelly is our state field manager and she's doing our repro takeover this week. Um, she does fiber arts and skeins of yarn and dyeing of them, uh, which is really cool. It's always good to have a more unique hobby represented. Um, so yeah, so we're just going to talk about that and why we both are involved in repro why we care why are you involved in repro because you're our newest staff member and they don't know you as much as they know me yeah um yeah so uh those that know me because we've done no in-person events yet um since i joined staff uh my name's ariana ibarra i'm based in columbus um and our i'm our new central and southern ohio uh, organizer um started like right on April 1st. So it's been a good couple months. Um, even though I've been, you know, in quarantine, as we all are, it's still been great being with uh, such an amazing team that is so passionate about what I'm passionate about, which is reproductive rights and reproductive freedom. Um, yeah, we've been happy to have you. You've been a good addition to the team so far. I think <laughs> so. <But fun. laughs> I'm- awesome. But, but yeah, so, um, I've been involved in reproductive rights organizing since I was in college. Um, I'm an alum of Ohio University, which is also disappointing us all right now. They're trying to lay off all kinds of staff members, especially the Women's and Gender Studies Department, which was one of my majors. So everything is bad, but I loved my time in Athens. Great little place. Um, so I did organizing with URGE, Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity, who's one of our um, friends here at NARAL. Um, they're a reproductive justice organization. They do a lot of great work in Midwestern, Southern states, youth-led, you know, people of color focused. Um, so you, if you're not familiar with Urge's work, definitely check them out. They're urge underscore org here on Instagram. Um, we also have an Urge Ohio um, Instagram now. So I think it's urge oh underscore urge org. So. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, they just started that page. So follow that one as well to find out what we're up to, what they're up to in the state. Yeah, they do a lot of cool campaign stuff. I'm not sure what they're focusing on the fall, but they know that they've focused on comprehensive sex ed before. So they're doing cool work. Yeah. And they're like nationally, they were also been doing work on uh, like decriminalizing sex work, which is super awesome. So an arena that a lot of repro groups haven't started doing work on. So it's really cool to see them doing that and, you know, pushing the conversation uh, in a good progressive direction. 
Yeah, there's a really cool campaign in Texas on sex work. Yeah, so. yeah. which is awesome. Um, the, the large state that they are in. Well, they're in California now, too, but Texas yeah. is so big, it freaks me out. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think they have fewer clinics in Texas than we have in Ohio now, so. I feel like it's like Texas and Ohio just neck and neck for like the worst kind of legislation that could be introduced, so. They, they really are. But yeah, at least in Ohio, we have eight clinics now. We, you know, closing of Founders, which is um, a clinic in Columbus, has just been announced. Um, so we're down from nine to eight. There's still two other ones in Columbus, though. Um, we have uh, Your Choice Clinic and then the Planned Parenthood on the east side um, performs abortions as well. Um, so if you're over here, that's where you can turn to. Um, cool. So, so yeah, I guess like I am involved in, in repro because, you know, it affects me personally, like as a cis woman. Um, and I've just always been very intrigued by sex ed and, you know, our government's, uh, sick desire to control our bodies and what we can do with them. Do not vibe with that uh, at all. <laughs> um, very much not, not into people touching my body, doing yeah. things with my body that I don't want them to do. Uh, so yeah, like I'm involved in repro because like I just don't want people involved in my personal decisions with my health and my body. Um, you know, like I said earlier today, like the horrible birth control decision, you know, I'm lucky enough to obviously work for an organization that's always gonna advocate for us. Um, you know, we even have abortion coverage um, in our healthcare, which is really hard to find. A lot of insurance companies don't cover abortion. So, you know, I would, I would actually say that most companies don't cover abortion yeah. because it can't be covered by if you if you work for the government, it can't be abortion can't be covered. If you have um, public insurance, like through Medicare or Medicaid, that can't cover uh, abortion in most states. Yeah, and so like on a reservation, um, and like at the healthcare, I think that's different than Medicaid, what they have, but yeah. I think, but yeah, because of the Hyde Amendment, none, you know, no federal funding can go towards abortions, so. Boo to Mr. Hyde, um, an act that was passed just three years after Roe. Uh, Ro, so they've, you know, been pushing us down as soon as that decision was made. It's been, you know, five, almost five decades since uh, Roe has been in place, which sucks. And I also always think the 70s are closer than they are. But uh, I mean, think about it this way. Roe is younger than most of our parents. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, my mom was six when <laughs> Roe passed. Um, so yeah, it's like always been, basically always been around for this generation, like for millennials and a lot of Gen X folks. Um, so bad. Um, so yeah, like I'm very lucky to have always had birth control coverage with all the different types of um, insurance I've been under, um, which is great. I've been on birth control like nonstop for like almost 10 years now. And I love it, you know, in addition to using it to avoid pregnancy, I have to use it to like not bleed painfully for 10 days straight. You know, it's a lot nicer to have a three day period where I always know when it's coming, um, you know, being able to skip it if need be. I've had a few camping trips where I was just like, nope, not dealing with that this weekend. <laughs> um, I think I have tried almost every single kind of birth control. Cause I, I, I started the pill when I was in high school, when I was 17. Um, in college, I didn't want to take a pill every day. So I decided to try the patch, uh, which didn't work for me because it gave me migraines. The patch is uh, fine now, too. Yeah, I, I don't think it's used as much. 
it's not used as much. Um, and then I tried Depo Provera for a, like the shot for a couple of months and that I just gained a lot of weight on it, which was fine. Um, and then I was like, maybe I should not try hormones for a minute. So I had the copper IUD for like three years and then I took it out and got pregnant because that's the nice thing about birth control is you can stop it when you decide you want to start a family. And now I have a Mirena. So and I tried. Fertility. I think a lot of people think if, like it takes a while for your body to like bounce back from birth control, which like isn't true, which is why even if you miss a few days of the pill, you can get pregnant. I have a friend that was born that way. Her mom missed like two days and then nine months later, baby. Um, <laughs> but yeah, same, like three different forms of the pill. That's what I started with. Um, lucky I wasn't one of those people that got pregnant while I was on it because, you know, 16 year olds are bad at doing things every day and keeping track of stuff. And then um, NuvaRing throughout college, that's what I use now. Love the NuvaRing. Um, because I'm somebody who like likes having a period every month, even though you don't need to have one. Like if you're on a longer term birth control, I just always, I have weird health things where I feel like if I don't bleed every month, it's just stuck inside of me, even though that's not true. <laughs> like I need to get it out. Um, but yeah, I tried the copper IUD as well for about a year. And without the hormones, you know, my horrible periods came back. Um, I gained weight, which again, isn't a bad thing. Um, like personally, I have like body image issues where it just like didn't vibe well with my mental health. Unfortunately, um, we all have that internalized fat phobia. Uh, uh, love to live in a society that ingrains all these horrible things in you since birth. Um, but yeah, like horrible periods came back. So I switched back to the new brewing. Um, and if anyone's interested in getting an IUD, um, of either of any kind, there's three main types you can get now. Marina, which is in for five years. Skyla, which is for three, and it's tinier than Marina. And then the copper IUD. There's also Liletta, which I think is even smaller than the Skyla. So there's quite a few different options as far as like um, uh, hormonal IUDs. And a lot of it comes down to like, like the Marina is probably easier if you have had children, but if you're Nola Paris, which means you've never had children, then I would probably go with one of the smaller ones because People need painkillers <laughs> for getting an IUD. It sucks. I'm not going to lie about it. It really does suck. Like the copper IUD is the biggest one and being copper is like not bendy because all the other ones are made out of like plastic. Um, and so yeah, not in copper. So being somebody who like hasn't given birth, getting the copper IUD put in was like one of the most painful experiences I've ever had. Like, because it goes up through your cervix. It's like reverse birth basically, but obviously way tinier but but yeah suck um it's not bad for everybody i know some people who have had an iud inserted and it was just like nothing to them um i actually had to come back the week a week later because they couldn't fit me with it the first week and the uh nurse practitioner was afraid that my uterus was either inverted or too small so came back the next week and it was a Friday where they did all the, their abortion uh, procedures that day. So uh, I was, I got my IUD inserted by the abortion provider. So that was cool. <laughs> I guess I to mute the marina and then I just was afraid of it. Cause like same thing, the like uh, the nurse practitioner was just like, I don't know what's up with your uterus, but it's just not. <laughs> and so I just like waited a few years and then got the copper. And then that nurse practitioner at Planned Parenthood in Athens, she's amazing if you're down there. Um, 
she so like she is so experienced like all these college kids go in and get IUDs all the time like she said she was doing one like almost every day after the, the Trump presidency um but yeah same thing for that like when she uh was inserting it she was like oh I see why they had uh, an issue last time it's like a little maze getting this up in your uh uterus and I was just like it does not sound good <laughs> oh cool what a totally normal thing to learn about my body Right. In my 20s. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I'm due for a pap smear. Maybe I'll ask them if I can, like, look at it. Because I know, like, what's up. Even though I'm, like, not a doctor, I wouldn't really be able to tell. But <laughs> I think everybody should look at their cervix once in their life. It's a weird, it's a weird sensation. Yeah, one of my friends, Clara, a DOC member, uh, if you don't know about a digital organizing council, it's a great You're missing out. Have. But, yeah, one of uh, our members is my old roommate. And that's what she said. She, like said that like her whole relationship like with her body changed like once she looked at her cervix. I mean, after all the good news we had in June from the Supreme Court, I'm really not surprised that this was the decision that came down. Um, I am a little surprised and disappointed that it was a seven to two ruling um, with uh, I think Kagan joining the uh, majority, which is kind of a bummer. So was it but just one? Was it just like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and like uh, the mayor who voted? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, which just kind of goes to show that you can't really trust the courts to uphold and protect our rights like you want them to. Yep. <sighs> so, always, always an adventure, you know. But that shows why so many people care about reproductive rights so much because they're always under attack. It's never, you know, we're never in a safe spot, really. It's never just a chill day as a reproductive rights organizer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> quiet week you're like what's about to happen yeah something terrible and yeah it's probably yeah that's probably the case <laughs> always terrible so. very loud on the street i'm sorry yeah yeah like four trucks have gone by i don't know why sorry for the background noise that's the problem with being human and being at home because we're all at home or should be Yep. the best of our ability unless you are an essential worker in which case i am sorry you're having to go through the nonsense that the state is making you yes um hopefully columbus has the mandate now to wear a mask so hopefully the whole state will follow suit so our uh, you know service workers are protected <laughs> right i don't know i mean i hope that i all the all the large county with the largest amount of cases are are covered by the mandates right now but then you have People like Repnino Vitali, who's like, stop getting tested, don't wear a mask, masks are tyranny. Um, I don't know if our, our watchers are familiar with Representative Vitali. He is a goblin. Um, he's just an absolute monster. He's one of the perennial sponsors of the six-week ban, so we are familiar with his nonsense, um, and it's really not a surprise at all. I wouldn't even be surprised if he was like a QAnon supporter or some kind of nonsense like that. And he was like very vocally like shitty like towards the um like black dem caucus recently yeah he's like haha i'm darker than most shut up nino yeah like sicilians calm down <laughs> so yeah it's it's really disappointing to see how many of our elected representatives are just like i don't even know putting ohioans at risk <laughs> that's really all the best way you can put it yep it's why we have to build systems to keep each other safe when the government fails to. <laughs> so, perfect time to plug our abortion fund. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. If you can, donate to Women Have Options. Preterm also has their own abortion fund. And there's also and there's one in Toledo, the Agnes General Agnes Reynolds Jackson Aggie Fund. The Aggie Fund. Aggie Fund. So wherever you're at in the state, there are ways to contribute to abortion funds and make sure people get the health care they need. So I've been involved with Repro since uh, since I moved to Ohio, basically. I'm from South Carolina, um, which I know this sounds weird, but like Ohio is a purple state that looks like a red state. South Carolina is a red state. And when I say red state, I mean red state. Like there is no chance in hell that my vote is ever going to matter in South Carolina. I can vote for whoever the hell I want. Uh, <laughs> and then Ohio, I came and I had, I actually went to a lobby day with um Center for Inquiry, Northeast Ohio hosted it at the State House. And I got basically got a crash course in Ohio politics. And I was like, yo, this is bad. <laughs> and like the way that Ohio legislature is set up is way different than a lot of states. Um, and that it's a full term, like full time year round, two year session. So legislators are are full time legislators. That's what their job is. Um, they get paid a, a nice salary. Uh, South Carolina's legislature is uh, part time. They go from January to May. Uh, and they're not in session for the rest of the year. So they don't have the time that Ohio legislature does to pass these ridiculous ass bills because they're like, all right, bye. But it also makes it really difficult for anyone who isn't a rich white man to get into the legislature because they get like a, like a stipend for like $25 a day to come to the state house and do their job, which you can't live off of a stipend. Um, but yeah. you also can't really have like a full-time job and also be gone for half the year. So it's all like lawyers who are partners, people who are independently wealthy. Uh, the South Carolina legislature is a mess. And I'm sure people who are joining us are like, why is Ohio talking about oh, is the South Carolina legislature? Hi, I'm from South Carolina, talking about my home state and how the legislatures are different. Every single state legislature looks totally different, which means it's a nightmare to try and move and understand your state legislature. Um, I think Texas is part-time. There's not a lot of full-time legislatures out there. Texas is also part-time. And then what's funny is like I've, I've, somebody told me about NARAL Maryland going to um, protest against anti-choice bills that are introduced but never go anywhere in Maryland. So they just like do them all at once and they like, I, we don't like this bill, we don't like this bill. We don't have that opportunity here except for that like one day last year where we had five different bills that were all terrible. Yeah, and these states all get help with these bills too. Like there's like a national organization that just like writes anti-abortion, like restrictive reproductive rights uh, bills. And then each state is like, ooh, that's cool. I'm gonna like change it. So it's not like plagiarized, but it's still. Like, it's right. And that's probably why you see so many terrible anti-choice legislation come out of Ohio is because it has the potential to pass hmm. um, because of the length of our legislature. So. So it sets a precedent for all these other states of being like, oh, well, they did it and we love what they did. <laughs> like, let's bring that here. Um, right. I mean, this playbook isn't new. Like a lot of these anti-choice bills have been in and around one way or another since the 1970s. Yeah, exactly. So. Like for a lot of people my age, like I'm 24, it's always kind of seemed, especially if you're not really tuned in, like since the, and I think like the ACA thing passed, like when people my age were going to start getting on birth control, so we've we've just always been able to get it um and that's another thing is like it every birth control is not one size fits all so if you're not like maybe you want to invest a lot of money into getting an iud because your insurance doesn't cover it and then you find out that it doesn't work for you so you have this 800 dollars piece of metal or 
plastic that's inside your uterus, are you going to tough it out and like be miserable for three, five years? Um, or are you going to take it out and have wasted $800? That's why the, the uh, mandate is so important is because it's really expensive try out different birth controls to find one that works well for you yeah especially if like like when i have that failed iud insertion you know it was completely free for me but when i got the bill i was technically like my insurance was charged for iud failed in, in uh insertion so like if i hadn't have had uh health insurance i would have still had to pay over 400 dollars for something i didn't even end up getting right so uh Glad the United States Supreme Court is like, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. If your employer like object like uh objects to you morally receiving birth control and they don't have to cover it. Yeah. So. My conspiracy theory is like <laughs> a lot of these legislators actually don't care about abortion or birth control. Like oh, they they're paying for their mistresses ones and stuff and like they want to control our bodies, like to maintain that I like patriarchal idea of like a stay-at-home mother and like the breadwinning father, and like to breed a new generation of workers. <laughs> and I mean, part of it's part of it's they want a new generation of workers. Part of it, there's not enough white babies out there, so they're trying to create. Like they're just trying to control people's bodies. Most of the Republicans in the Ohio State Legislature do not give a damn about abortion. They don't care if it's legal or not um what they care about is 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 it used as a bargaining chip for their constituents um they care about using it as a fundraising tool um and uh, they just like making everybody's lives harder so they can hold on to power yep nothing like uh the oppression of of women and, and queer people love this <laughs> normal but yeah like almost every person with the uterus of reproductive age is on birth control it's like over 60 percent are currently on birth control and like 98 percent will use it in some form because like things like um getting your tubes tied counts as a lot of people choose to do that when they're like done having kids my mom got hers done the day after i was born because she was like that was enough <laughs> that was her first yeah. nat not natural but like vaginal birth um, she was like, I hated that. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> my mom also, my mom's been pregnant twice, um, like birthed twice. She said like both times it felt like there was an alien in her stomach and she like was one of those people who like did not think pregnancy was beautiful and like hated it, but wanted us to be born. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I, I did not enjoy being pregnant. I definitely went into uh, being pregnant with my son with like the assumption that I would find it beautiful and romantic and, and I did not feel that way when I was actually pregnant. Right. I threw up the first time at six weeks and the last time at, well, when I was in labor, <laughs> but before that, <laughs> at 37 weeks from heartburn. Uh, I had migraines, I had heartburn that I, it, it, I was, and I could never poop. <laughs> pregnant sucks. You think the fetus would like push it out? <laughs> you would think. Crushed. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's funny that there's a lot of like mythology and like uh, feelings about pregnancy, probably societally 
pushed. Yeah. Um, but like, I honestly did not feel anything towards my son until he was out of my body. <laughs> I was so afraid that I was going to hate him. Good news. I didn't because they crammed me full of oxytocin when I had a C-section. So I was just like, oh, my baby, I love him. As soon as he was born. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing that's, because like, I hope to like, be pregnant at some point in the next couple of years and like the only thing that's gonna get me through it is like knowing my partner will like I just want to be treated like a baby the whole time and so like I'm just gonna make him do that <laughs> oh yeah. no I am so glad that the person who got me pregnant is the person who I am still with because like any other person I have dated I would have murdered <laughs> yeah my mom for both of us my me and my sister like had to rely on like her mom for support so like Thankful we, like, thankfully we still had, like, you know, family members to, to help out, but, like, I couldn't imagine, like, being pissed at a man while also raising a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God bless single mothers. They've got a lot going. A lot, a lot, a lot happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, like, another, like, you know, area of repro that I think is overlooked because we have to focus so heavily on abortion access is, like, needing more support for pregnant people and for parents. Um, there's very little support, like, you know, like there's the WIC program and things like that, but like they suck and there's like a lot of red tape over WIC. Um, like uh, there's something weird with it where like if you buy frozen vegetables, it has to be like just a bag of broccoli or like just a bag of corn. Like if you try to buy like a mixture bag, it's not covered weird and like I did not yeah and like only certain types of like loaves of bread are covered and like you can't get vitamins with it either and same thing with food stamps you can't buy vitamins but you can get junk food um so you know it's like a form of like uh it's like a way that you know poor health is a policy decision you know like poverty is a policy decision like these things could be changed Right. And I mean, we still don't have universal child care in the United right. States. So. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah, commented universal daycare. Yeah, exactly. Like, again, like, if my grandma and, um, like, other family members weren't there to support my mom, I don't know what we would have done because she couldn't afford daycare. Like, my mom um, was working part-time when I was born because she was going back to school. So, like, if she couldn't, like, live with my grandpa for free, she wouldn't have been able to get a salary job, like, you know, to support her children, like. Right. Yeah, no, the, the first year of my son's life, I definitely overdrafted, like, once or twice paying for childcare. Right. Um, it's just so prohibitively expensive. And Ohio has childcare deserts that, like, aren't even really being addressed. Um, and I mean, we did, a, we did a whole webinar on this earlier this month. Nope, just kidding. Last month. Um, you can check it on the NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio Facebook page under our videos. It was with um, Representative Weinstein and Russo talking about child care in Ohio. Uh, it's start, part of our parenting during a pandemic series because <laughs> uh, it's hard and uh, routines have been disrupted for all parents. I mean, for all people, but like, ah! <laughs> yeah, I remember... Um before I had this position, I uh, did like a little math exercise to see how much it would be for me to get uh, like full, like if I sold a nine to five, like to get full-time childcare um, for a baby and it would have been my entire salary. 
would have just gone to childcare. Um, yeah, and my partner, like if he had to support me and a baby, it would be incredibly tough. <laughs> I mean, this is honestly just another way that the United States attempts to keep people in their uh, parents, like women, I guess, specifically in their homes. Because uh, I mean, for a lot of people, especially folks who are working a minimum wage and um, lower income folks, the cost of having two children in daycare is more than your salary. So it just makes sense to stay home, um, at least financially. So this is just a, another way to keep people down. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I would hate to be around a baby nonstop and also take care of a home and myself <laughs> like because you'd be putting in more hours than if you just worked <laughs> like you know in like certain ways like babies are hard you know there's a reason why people say it takes community because it does it does it absolutely does take a village to raise a child well all righty i think we're done here thanks for tuning in see you later